Today's Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament reading is 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is the word of the Lord. Again, welcome to each one of you on this special day. The concept that we are celebrating today, not only in reading God's Bible, but also in the fact that we as a local church can be involved in reaching a group of people in the world is a very remarkable thing. I'm an old geezer. I can remember when they in a mission school decided that this would be a good thing to do and identified the peoples of the world who did not have any understanding of Jesus or had such a small percentage that there was no way that the truth of God could go throughout their countries. 
And I just want to commend you as a church for accepting that challenge and seeing what God has done. Today, we want to continue with 1 John. And I, uh, we are moving now into chapter 4. As I was thinking about it this morning, we only have three more sermons from 1 John, and we will have finished it. Um, no sighs of relief. Anyway, I found it just an absolute delight as I have been preparing. I've learned so much about John and the immense things that he is talking about. He, in such a short one or two phrases or a, a pushing together of several words, ends up telling us and explaining to us some of the basic and main doctrines and principles of God himself. And I find it to be very uh, helpful. Now, today we're going to talk about something which John points out, which in our present world of 2022, in our postmodern society, is, I think, a message we need to hear. And um, to be very honest, this is the most difficult message for me to preach yet. Therefore, let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that you are here. And in a few moments, we're going to reread that verse that we are of God. And we have overcome because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And at this moment, Father, we claim that to be true. And I ask in Jesus' name that you come to each one of us. No matter where we've been this past week, no matter where we are in our hearts and minds at this present moment, would you come? And may your Holy Spirit open our minds and our hearts to understand what you have placed in your word to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close last week, at the end of chapter 3, John writes this, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And as was closing last week, what we wanted to say was that giving by God of his Holy Spirit to live in us is almost that what we would call the final testimony, witness, and proof that God lives in us and dwells in us. And so we need to be able to understand the voice of God that's not simple. But it is what God desires us to do. Now, in this, then, John moves on immediately into chapter 4. And remember what he wrote there in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, what he's going to say to us is, the reality of the spirit world. Where in 2022, there are many in our societies who really don't want evil, but they do not actually either want God. And somehow there is this neutral in-between world, very aware of spirit occupation or activity, and yet it is seemed and dealt as if it is harmless or something that we as people, as humans, have the ability in our intellect and power to control. 
But that's not true. You see, there is evil, and there is God. When we first went back to the States about 15 years ago, after we had finished our time as missionaries, in the time immediately following us, our being there, there was a a horrendous happening in Las Vegas where a person started shooting from a hotel window into a gathered crowd of people at a concert. And I remember as I listened to the news reports, of course, I was deeply touched and felt, oh my. And then I listened to reporter after reporter after reporter as they told their understanding of the situation. And what they said in kind of synopsis is this. They would report what had happened, how many had been injured, how many had been killed, etc., And then this phrase became a chorus by every reporter. And they said somehow at the end of the report, this is evil. Some of those reporters probably believed and went to church on Sunday. Some of those reporters were probably agnostic or atheist. They did not believe in God. And yet every one of them was able to identify this is evil. And if we in our postmodern world can identify evil, then certainly, just in logic, there is good, there is God. And the Bible is filled with examples where men and women have tapped into a spiritual world. Of course, there is the good when they tap into, in that sense, God gets in their life. But the Bible does not hinder to tell us there are moments when people tap into an evil force. One of the first places we find it after the reading that was read to us from the Old Testament today, but in the book of Exodus, the second book of Moses in the Old Testament, where it talks about Moses coming to Pharaoh and saying to Pharaoh, God has told me I am to bring the people out. And of course, Pharaoh kind of in ridicule says, well, who is God? that I should obey him. And then God had given Pharaoh, or excuse me, given Moses several signs. And one of those was he would throw his staff to the ground, that long piece of wood which he used as he walked, and that staff would all of a sudden become a living snake serpent. But the thing, the magicians in Pharaoh's court, this wasn't sleight of hand, my friends. They threw down their staffs, and they became serpents as well. And of course, the story goes on that Pharaoh's serpents were eaten by Moses' serpents. But then they go on, and they pours out water, and it becomes blood. And all the magicians have the power to pour out water, and it becomes blood. And then they have a plague of frogs, and uh, Moses prays, and frogs are everywhere. Can you imagine? One time I was preaching through Exodus, and I was staying at this home, and this lovely people that we know in England, and I talked about these frogs. And when I went to, uh, we were staying overnight, and we went to their room, to the room they provided us for overnight the lady of the house had put a plastic frog in between the sheets. She heard the message, maybe missed the point. The point is, 
As Moses prayed, God multiplied frogs, and they were everywhere. These magicians of Pharaoh, they sought their spirits, and there were multitudes upon multitudes of frogs. And only when you get to the next one, when they have these gnats which come from everywhere, and, and Moses prays, and God, the Almighty, does this miracle, and he sends those, and they are everywhere, and then the men who are the magicians in Pharaoh's court, those who have chosen to follow evil and not to follow God, but somehow evil has put a power within their life, they come to Pharaoh and they say, Pharaoh, we cannot do this. And you must read this this afternoon. What it says is, and the, these men say, this, Pharaoh, is the finger of God. Evil has recognized God is more powerful than evil. You must never forget. And then he goes on, like we have in the New Testament, Acts chapter 11, where this man has the ability through spirits to tell fortunes. And when he sees the apostles doing miracles, healing people, raising, doing this, and things happening and people's lives changing, he comes and says to them, may I buy from you this power? You wonder what in his life he'd exchanged for the power of evil that was working through him. Many people have given their hearts and souls in exchange. And the New Testament is filled with that and time just doesn't allow us to look at them all. But one I think is very helpful, Jesus in Mark, Mark chapter 5, he comes into an area where there is a man who is filled with legions of demons. That's a lot. And it's so powerful that the people in the area cannot go into their area. They avoid it. All they have there are their herds of pigs. You, I'm sure you've read the account several times. Uh, it is recorded there in the New Testament. Long and short, Jesus comes in and this man who is filled with demons runs up to him. Evil bows before God. And God casts out the demons. They go into the pigs. Pigs run into the sea and die. The people come out of their village. And here in a place where they could not walk, because this man had so much power from evil, they dared not go there. All they did was pasture their pigs. And all of a sudden, this man is one way it's described. He's sitting clothed, saying at the feet of Jesus. And they look at that. And then they see their pigs are missing. And do you know what pigs the people do? They come to God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ. And they say, would you please leave? You know what they're saying? We'd rather have people filled with evil and our pigs than to have God interrupt our life and make those who are filled with evil become normal, total people of God. And this. Now, does that only happen... In the Bible. Actually, here's where a geezer missionary has an advantage. We had friends in one of the Central Asian countries. And I had, one of my jobs was to go visit them regularly as a delight. One time when I was there, they said, you know what happened? Our kids, after we moved, could not go to sleep at night. And they would wake up and they'd be screaming and crying. Dad, what is it? And so one night he came and he said... Uh, they tell it's coming every night. 
And one night he came in and his kids were screaming. He said, there, dad, there. And he looks and in the corner of the room, this evil literally forms and appears. And he said, in the name of Jesus, you must leave. And his children slept peaceful every night thereafter. But there's also the good side of the spirit world. I told you about many, many people we met who had a dream from God. About the guy who was out and also in that part of the world. And uh, uh, the missionaries were coming in a truck taking literature far further eastward. And all of a sudden their wheel bearing froze up and they stopped just as they passed over a bridge. And as they were fixing the wheel bearing, this man walked out from underneath the bridge and he said to them, are you the men with the book? And they said, what do you mean? And he said, last night Jesus appeared in a dream. And he told me, go sit under the bridge. And the men with the book that will tell you about me will come. God was greater. And we don't have time to go in, but I will tell you, there are these examples of where the spirit world is real. But we in 2022 have chosen neither to have God nor to have evil, but we still experience the spirit world and we call it innocent and without any consequence. We lived in a small little town in the Midwest of USA. In the last five years, there were three new businesses opened. Excuse me, there were five new businesses open, two recently. Three of the five were those businesses which would help you find a way that you could come in and through crystals or rocks, you could gather from them power and strength. Wow. Or in a way that you could sit in a certain pose and it would bring and open your mind to any spirit to come into you and there were people who were doing this. Or you could actually come and they would teach you how to open your mind to any spirit world. That was last year. You see, we no longer recognize the distinction. And many of my friends there who went to, instead of a medical doctor, a spirit healer. So enough of that, but that is the reality. Now, so what John says in verse 1 is don't believe every spirit. You have the spirit of God in you, but please don't believe every spirit. And then he gives us a test. How do we know the difference? Look what he says in verses 2 and 3. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. This is test number one. And it seems like it's quite a simple test, isn't it? Must just say very simply that asking is Jesus, do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? 
Well, let's just look at that because sometimes what people have done is we don't understand maybe what that means. But first, remember in Christmas, we talked about those two names of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus, he will come to save his people. Christ, he is the anointed one of God, the one who was promised in the book of Genesis, and he will come to crush the head of evil. And then it goes on and says very simply to that, well, let me just read a verse for you first from John chapter 1. What it talks about, this one who comes. Where it says there in John chapter 1 verse 14. And it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Let me skip down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God or the only Son with Him who was at the Father's side, He has made Him known. What is John writing here? He's writing and saying, this one who came at Christmas, He is not just someone who is a good person, a good teacher. This is God. And God has come. And God has revealed to us what God the Father is like. How did He do it? As John said, he who was in the beginning with God has come. This God-man, Jesus. He wasn't just a good teacher. He is literally God. And it goes on, and and John goes on, he says, it's not only the very fact that Jesus Christ, but Jesus has come. You see, Jesus didn't begin to exist when he was born in Bethlehem. No, it is God. As John begins in chapter 1, he who was there at the beginning has come to manifest or to reveal to us God. And so what John is saying is we must ask these spirits. And by the way, if you noted, the first spirit was in capital letters. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God does not mind you asking. The Spirit of God expects you to ask. The second spirit is in small, meaning that is the spirit of the world or of evil. And he says then that he has come. In other words, he was pre-existent with God. He is God. He didn't just initiate out of, out of coming in the day of Christmas. No, he is God who has come. And then it goes on and says, and he is the God who's come in the flesh. Let me just read to you the book of Hebrews. takes up this for a whole chapter. We don't have time to read the chapter, but in chapter 2 it says this in verse 9. But we see him talking about Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. In other words, he came from eternity. And for a little while he was on earth. And then then he has returned to eternity as God. He came as God, the God-man on earth, and returned as God. But we see him who a little while lower than the angels was made, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor, and became, and because he has the suffering of death, listen to this, so that the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you see, the reason it is so important we understand Jesus came in the flesh is in that form 
He tasted death for you and me. The God-man. God coming in the person of Jesus. And literally taking our place. You see, if he didn't, then the very thing we celebrate at Good Friday and Easter is ridiculous. Because it doesn't offer any sacrifice that is worthy. Anything that would bring forgiveness of sins. When God himself in the person of Jesus Christ sacrifices himself. God who says the wages of sin is death pays the price himself. That you and I could have eternal life. And it continues on here in chapter 2 where it goes and it says, And since therefore the children, the children of God, share in flesh and blood, he himself became likewise, partook of the same things, that through death, and listen to this, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And then in verse 17 it says, and therefore we have this merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. In other words, this coming in the flesh was God's way of bringing forgiveness. That God does not simply sweep sin under the rug, but God himself pays the price that you and I, as his spirit prompts our hearts and souls, can understand truth. And respond to him. So John writes them. Oh then look with me. But it doesn't stop there in verse 4. An incredible promise. Little children. You are from God. And have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater. Than he who is in the world. What an encouraging and amazing truth that he has written there. You see, the reason that we have hope and the reason we can actually test the spirits to see if they're of God or not is because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. You see, it's only animus, those who worship their elders or worship stones and rocks who really believe that evil and good are equal. No, 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 no. The Bible teaches us that God is God. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Paul explains the same thing at the end of the book of Romans chapter 8. And he said, what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will not he now with him graciously give us all things. Jesus Christ is the one who died, moreover is raised and at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And then he goes on and he gets to the last verse in that chapter and it talks about, and we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Remember a couple of weeks ago I explained that word that when he actually makes intercession for us, it's a combined word in the original, one meaning just intensively, and the other meaning literally to hit the bullseye, to hit the mark, hit the mark. It's the direct opposite word in Greek from harmatia, which means to miss the mark, which is the word for sin in the New Testament. In other words, every time Jesus is praying for you, it says he's praying to God the Father, 
Oh, God, help them. Hit the mark. Hit the mark. Hit the mark. Isn't that an amazing truth of of our God? And then John goes on. Can I just stop for a moment? Do you know the reality of him who is in you is greater than he who is in the world? That's what the promise is. And then there's a second test, and it says very simply there in verses 5 and the first part of verse 6, whoever listens to them, he says very simply to them, is then, uh, they listen to them because they speak from the world, and the world listens to them, but we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. The second test is not only that what they say about Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh. The second test is take a look at the people who are listening to them. Throughout this book, John has written and said, if you want to know what's in a man's or woman's heart, take a look at their life. We cannot lie with our life because our life was like a window into our heart. It shows us what God has done there. And then he closes with with these words. And he goes on and says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let me read to you a quote in some of my reading this week. It says, truth is not just the present consensus of opinion. It is defined by the very character of God. You will not find truth today by looking for a majority or by discussion and taking that road which is seemingly gone by most people or traveled by most people. Truth is revealed by God. And what John is saying is, friends, people, children of God, do not trust and believe every spirit, but check to see that they are truly of the spirit of God. Because that is truth. And Jesus has said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Thank you again, Father, for your grace and your mercy to us. And we know, Lord, that this is a physical world, and we are becoming incredibly advanced in our understanding. And yet sometimes, Lord, even in that understanding or sense that we know it all or know very much about it, there is this whole world of the Spirit. And Lord, as we come to you, we must trust you. And you have written in your book, your Bible, that we are to experience the very truth of the dwelling of God within us. And we know that to be true by his Holy Spirit, which he places within us. And when the Spirit comes into our heart, our soul responds by crying out, Abba, Father. The depth of our being acknowledges the presence of God. And so, Lord, today, we ask you, for each one of us here, may you help us to know the Spirit that is of you. And Father, if anybody, any of us today 
have somehow been messing around with spirit which is not from you. May you very clearly reveal that to us. And then help us in the name of Jesus to set it aside. And may us, may help us to allow that space in our life that has been preoccupied by that to be filled fully with your presence and your spirit. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.